My sermon today has to do with children and all of us. And I've entitled my message, What Does It Mean to Come Before God as a Child? And I'm using Matthew 18 as my main verse, from verse 1 to verse 6. I'm reading from the NIV Bible. It reads as follows. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Isn't it amazing? These are disciples. These are followers of Christ. <laughs> These are uh, leaders in the church. But they are fighting about who the greatest is. Isn't that amazing? I know it's surprising to you because I know you never do any of that, right? It always intrigues me sometimes when I look at us as church people that sometimes it seems like the longer we stay serving God, it's the more we start develop, developing certain bad habits, you know, like that of those of being position-minded, and, uh, and they're fighting among themselves about who's the greatest. They're not talking about winning the lost. They're not talking about anakazo wing, you know, or anakazo for those of you who don't, you know, it means just inviting people, and uh, they're not talking about, you know, saving people. They, they are arguing about who's the greatest, and, and I know that doesn't happen in the church today. <laughs> uh, yeah. But something happens to us sometimes as believers who've been there for a long time, that we lose perspective on what God's kingdom is about. In the same way you see us trying to get all of us to be sensitized that every Sunday you come with somebody, that, you know, going to church is not just about you, me, myself, and I. That there are many people who'd love to really receive what you received. That the word of God can touch their lives. And that it's a conscious decision that everyone makes to tell someone about Christ or to bring somebody with us. You know, when we're young in the Lord, those are the things that we do. Some of you, you can think back about when you first got impacted by the gospel. Whatever year it was, wherever you were, you wanted to go tell somebody about it. But, you know, as we stay longer serving the Lord, other things take priority. Like, you know, what position do I occupy in church? You know, what title do I have? Look at your neighbor and say, I know why you are quiet. He's not talking about you at all. I actually know why. And so the disciples were arguing among themselves. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Verse 2. And Jesus called a little child and had the child stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like children, note what it says, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a strong statement. Jesus is saying, you see, you've got to change your attitude. You, there's no way you can enter God's kingdom with that kind of attitude, with that kind of mindset, with that kind of prioritizing things. And when it says enter the kingdom of God, well, theologians argue about it. Some say Jesus talked about going to heaven. It says if you're not like a child, you never go to heaven. Well, that could be it. But some say, remember, there's also, when you read what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven, the expression the kingdom of heaven simply put means about, means rather, having access to all that God has in store for you. You growing in the Lord, Knowing Jesus more, walking in the wisdom of God, receiving God's anointing, 
All that God does for you spiritually, what he does for you physically, providing for you, you maximizing in your potential, all that Jesus purchased on the cross for you. And Jesus is saying, you will never operate in the fullness of what God has in store for you if you don't change and become like a child. So it's possible to be a follower of Christ and never really live to the fullness of who God made me. Simply because I'm not like a child. So if Jesus said that, I've got to ask myself a question. What does it mean then to change and be like a child? I'm worried about that. If that's what Jesus said, then it means I've got to know something. Note verse 4, he says, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest <laughs> in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So to come to God as a child is something that is so critical that Jesus said we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And that if we become like children, we'll become the greatest in the kingdom. And I don't think when he says greatest, he means position. It's not about pomp and prestige. No, it's about God giving you the fullness of whatever he has in store for you. I love the way Bishop Doug explains it and You know, I like the way he says it. And I'll repeat it somewhere in another way. He says, you know, if you were to picture, and I'll use this example, this entire stage as the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, if you don't humble yourself as a child, you will not enter. So picture this as the kingdom of heaven. Everything that God has in store for you, okay? You maximizing in your potential, walking in the gifts of the spirit, in the anointing of God, walking in health. Uh, your business doing well, schooling, whatever it is, whatever God has in store for you, it's, it's all here. And Jesus says, this is all yours. But to be able to enter into this room and partake of what's in here, you must be like a child and humble yourself. So it means so the door that leads into this room that's called the kingdom of God, it's not the size of an adult. It's the size of a child. And Jesus says, you've got to humble yourself. Huh? And enter into the kingdom. Note, he says, you humble yourself. It's an act that you do. It's a decision that you make. No one is going to humble you for you. It's something that you consciously decide that I want to be everything that God wants me to be. I want to operate in everything that God has in store for me. And I'm not talking about the goodies. I'm even talking about God using you as a vessel, as an instrument of his glory. I want that. But Jesus says, oh, well, the door is very small. You can't get in being the way you are. You've got to change. Be like a child. And then enter the kingdom. How many of you want to enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says, if we are to enter God's kingdom, we've got to strip ourselves of all forms of things that make us proud. And just like a child who is wide-eyed and inspired by what they see before them. We come to God with a spirit of expectation. Inspired by the possibility of us being all that God wants us to be. Wow. Jesus says, unless you change and become like a child. The Webster Dictionary describes being childlike as follows. As, and I quote, Becoming a child. So Jesus says we must become a child. Old as we are, we must become a child. I don't think he says we should change and become five years old again. It's too late for many of us. (laughs) 
But I believe he's talking about the attitude that children have. I don't think God says we must be childish like children, but we must have a child-like attitude. Becoming a child means, Oxford Webster continues, being meek, submissive, and dutiful. God seeks a childlike submissiveness, meekness, and a gleeful childlike heart, and a childlike faith. So as we move forward in life, we can only do so with that attitude of childlikeness. So if Jesus said I must change and be like a child, I better go and study children. I better look at those kids and just see what are children doing that probably I'm no longer doing. Because remember, I was once a child. I know it doesn't look like it, but I was also a child. And what are the things that when you look at children, you know, they do, and we can draw a parallel between what they do and we can do the same thing as well. Well, one of the things children have, number one, is children are innocent. You know, children, children are, I'm not saying they don't do wrong, but they're fairly pure. You know, you know the reason we love these kids, you know, these babies, you know, look at the baby, you know, you, you just want to swallow them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to be politically correct, and I hope that no one's going to take me to us for them. I mean, you love them so much, you just want to have them. And there they are, blue-eyed, brown-eyed, black-eyed, whatever. And they look there so innocently. They're so nice. As they grow up, the children, you know, as they grow up, they learn to do stuff and they try to be like us. They start lying. How many of you have realized that children are not convincing liars? Even when they lie, their face is telling on them. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? What happens as we get older, we learn the skill of lying and lose our innocence. Where we can lie without flinching. We can lie through God and Holy Bible. Look at your neighbor and say, what a shock. It looks like you. Yeah. But children have innocence. They, they haven't learned to do wrong. If they do wrong, their conscience quickly strikes them. Unembeza, we appeal. The conscience is so alive. And so Paul draws that analogy to us in 1 Corinthians 14, 20. He says when he talked to the church in Corinth and I read the New Living Translations, he says, dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding. God says, no, I don't want to be childish in your understanding, in your comprehension. You've got to act like matured people. But then he says, but, but be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. Ah! So when it comes to doing wrong, God, you're saying I must be innocent. Are you saying to me, God, I mustn't allow myself to be corrupted? Are you saying to me, God, I mustn't fall under the pressure of doing certain things because it seems to be what is happening these days? Are you telling me, you know, when I grew up, they used to tell me, They used to tell me, they used to say, That's what they used to say. And for those of you young people who have been pressured that way, Paul says, when it comes to evil, keep your innocence. Yeah. When it comes to all those things, keep your innocence. When it comes to your understanding and your wisdom, oh, come on, mature. When it comes to your knowledge of God, mature. But when it comes to doing things, keep yourself innocent. Keep your, your, your conscience tender. Do your best. If something bothers you, don't do it simply because you're under pressure. Keep your innocence. Children are innocent. 
And it's so unfortunate how we lose our innocence. Here are these religious leaders who are arguing about position. And you know, that's what happens to us. You know, in, in, in our world, as ministers, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. <laughs> you should see. It's not easy at all. You, you would think that we would be exemplary sometimes and oh, praise God, God help us, we are trying to be. But it's kind of amazing sometimes the things that we get up to. And yet when we came in to serve God, we, you know, we, we were at that stage where all we wanted to do is to serve God. You know. But you know, as, as time goes on, as the church grows, as, as whatever happens, and we lose our innocence. You see? And we shouldn't do that. Number two, children are trusting. A child believes without complication. I'm in no way implying that we should be gullible. But when it comes to God, we should learn to be trusting. And this is why it's so important as parents that when we raise our children, we learn to be trustworthy parents. That affects those children in their outlook of God and the outlook of the world. Because when children have been raised in an environment where their trust has been broken several times, they grow up to be uh, grown-ups who don't trust anybody. It becomes worse when it comes to God. If my father could not be trustworthy, if my mom could not be trustworthy, how can God be trustworthy? So this trust, unfortunately, if there's a trust deficit, it affects us in the way we relate with God. But you know, children are very trusting. They don't suspect. And it's so sad when they get abused. Sexually and otherwise. Because they're so trusting. We were so upset, Barcelona. This really upset me. We didn't tell you about it. At least it's in the past. We were so upset the other time when we had Tatana Day. We had an event here where we were encouraging the men to come and be with their children because of our program that we have launched, as you know. Anyhow, we've been doing this for years, but we, we're adding that to this whole scourge of femicide and rape and all of that in our country to say one of the corrective things we can do is to teach the men to take time with their children in a good, honest, and sincere way. And I'm so glad that the men in the church here have taken to it. Can I hear a good amen? Yeah. I saw one of them dancing here with their, with their child, you know. My bishop had to come to the rescue and say, let me hold the child. But it's a good thing to see. But some guy, I don't know where he heard about our program, chose that on that particular day, He abducts a child from a certain neighborhood. So, you know, on a day when we have a program like that, there's no way the people in our security gate could know who's walking in here. And this guy came here 30 minutes or an hour before our program. So, you know, the security people allowed them in because they knew we were having a program for children. There's no way you could suspect. Thankfully, as the security people were going around, they found this guy red handed. Wanting to rape this child. Yeah. 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 We did what was necessary to report to the police, get this guy arrested, take the child to the doctor. We did everything that he was supposed to do. Thankfully, she was not tampered with. We're grateful to God for that. Grateful to God. But, but, 
That doesn't take the trauma away. And, and so we had to do, I won't go into the story, why, whatever. But you know, I think about that girl, how her trust has been tempered with. Yeah. And when we break our word as parents, and when we as men do that, or as women do that, we break the trust of children. But children trust very easily. And you know, when we come to God, we've got to come with childlike faith. You, you, you won't enter God's kingdom. I'm not talking about being naive now. I'm talking about trusting God. I've told you the story of one of the children in the neighborhood. He was staying next door. And I'm sorry to say that he, the young man has passed on now. But growing up as a teenager, there's a neighbor's child who really loved me. He used to call me, peace away. Please don't call me that. <laughs> during this time of the year, like right now, you know, during holidays, we used to sleep in at home. And we'd wake up like nine o'clock or so. Our parents would let us do that. So he would always shout from his home across the fence, peace away, five in the morning, six in the morning, peace away. Please again, don't call me that. Okay. Now remember the first time he called out for me, I went out to receive him from his mom. So she had propped him up on a fence. Here I'm coming, you know, to go and receive him. You know, I'm expecting to get him from the fence. As I got closer, the brother just threw himself off the fence into my arms. Hey, boo! And I, I caught him. And I thought, this guy trusts me. He never checked how big my biceps were. <laughs> he, he, he never checked how quick I was with coordination. He just trusted me. And I think about it. If he could trust Pisa way. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm putting it to you that there's somebody greater than Pisa way. His name is God Almighty. And you can put your hand, your life, in the hands of God who will never let you fall. Because no matter how quick I was with my arms, Mosai can let you fall sometimes. We must come to God with childlike faith. I didn't say we should be naive, but let's believe that God says what he means and he means what he says. Hebrews 11:6 says without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. Can I hear an amen? amen? So we need to take to heart God's word in all its simplicity. And this will help us. Number three, children haven't had time to allow the preconceived notions of the world to form their decision-making process. Children, in short, don't have baggage. You know, the challenge of growing up as an adult, there's a tendency for us to be cynical with age. <laughs> you know, sometimes because of the negative experiences of life, we kind of form certain opinions about things that even when something is coming from over there, we already have made up our mind. I've been there, I've done that, I know the outcome. Children are not like that. <laughs> so we've been touched by the concerns of the world 
But children look at the world as a big arena where they want to run and experience life. But my goodness, as we get older, the hurdles of doubt, concern, cynicism, we place them in front of us. We can find ourselves sometimes judging a book by its cover. And these hurdles, they knock us off stride. They make us give up completely in, in growing in our relationship with God. It's always amazed me how people can stop coming to church simply because they've been offended by someone sitting next to them. I've never been able to work that one out. Somebody offends me sitting next to me, then I can... I've just never been able to, to do that, to understand that. Or, you know, when we come to church, we do things to one another. As ministers, we do things to one another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Several years ago, we went to visit this conference hosted by Carlton Pearson in the U.S. in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Maybe Center. He used to call it Azusa Street Conference. We were his guests and uh, had traveled to get there, myself and Pastor Dick. So we arrived while the conference was already in process. And I mean, the traveling was so long, we ended up going to the conference and the service was about to start. So, you know, I think we hadn't had a chance to let him know he, we are around. He knew he was expecting us, of course. So as we got into the auditorium, people were already there, and, and there were these empty seats at a certain section. And, and, and as we got there, I mean, the seats are empty everywhere. It's full, and there was no sign on those seats that they are reserved seats. So we thought, well, hallelujah, you know? <laughs> and we went to sit on those seats. And as we were sitting there, some usher came to us. And said, and, and you know, we were not, we were not, we were just casually dressed because you just come off the plane. You know, you, you can't travel in your three-piece suit, you know, you, <laughs> for a long distance it doesn't work. So we were in our sneakers and our denim said, so maybe we really didn't look like church people or I don't know what, but from the way we looked, he, he had his own conclusions. He made his own conclusions. So he came to us and said, what are you doing there? Yeah, in that tone. What do you want? Uh, we've come to church. Why are you sitting there? We said, there was nobody here. Says, can't you see? Those seats are reserved for special people. Yeah? Hey, we realize that we are not special people, yo. So we quickly got off the seats and trying to find a place on the ground floor. There wasn't, thankfully, there was a balcony. We got up on the balcony and found all the seats that were to the front of the balcony were also full. And then we went and said, right at the back of the, have you ever said right at the back of the balcony, right there? You know, if it was a place where you are paying, you called it cheap seats, you know, they have an obstruction, we kind of said there. So here we are, service starts, everything goes on and Carlton Pearson comes up and goes, where are my friends? Because he's looking at the front row. Where are my friends? He goes, Dick, Musa, where are you? I'm expecting those guys to be here. Here we are, the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So he, he's looking over there and then said, no, they're over there. He says, you guys, what are you doing at the back there? And he sends the chief usher to go and get us. Here we're coming. And we passed next to the other guy. You remember the other usher? <laughs> and we're passing going in our house. Who is special now? So we come, we walk, listen to this, we walk past the empty seats we were sitting on and we go all the way to the front row and we're sitting, and we're sitting like, yeah, I'm happening, brother, man. I'm <laughs> Isn't it tragic for us to have to go through that in church? See, that what happens to us. We start making those things to be the main thing. Yeah. Jesus says... <laughs> You're missing it. That's not what God's kingdom is about. Yeah. Even if you sit at the back. Just, children wouldn't ask. Sit them at the back as long as they have a chair. They're humble enough to get a chair. But you know, sometimes there's all kinds of stories that come up as people and we believe them. And they're not true. And it affects our faith in God. It affects our belief. It affects our perception of people. Our perception of, of, of God and our perception of everything. Because of stories, you know. And sometimes it's parents, it's adults who, 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 who contaminate the children with their stories. You know, at, at, I don't know, in a neighborhood, some adult started a story about some lady in our neighborhood. You know, there, there was a, one of, in a neighborhood, there was one of the houses, they had a peach tree right in front of the house, on the pavement. You know, big, beautiful Yellow, juicy, sweet peaches. I know because I, I stole one of them. <laughs> but I think somebody started a story because somehow they didn't like the elderly lady there. And for some reason, I don't know when people get old, people come up with all kinds of stories. And then they said, no, one lawyer. And then another story started that, you know, the reason these peaches are sweet is because she expresses her milk and waters. I'm telling you, you know, this is now. Come on now, come on. These are stories. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then another story came. So, so she she wanted to ensure that we don't steal the peaches. So what she did, the elderly lady, she just tied something on the tree. Something just was hanging. We didn't know what it was. <laughs> and she got a net and covered these these trees of these peaches of hers. And then another story came up. They said. You know, if you're walking down the pavement, if you walk this side of the tree, something evil will befall you. So I tell you what, we grew up believing that. So when you walk it, then you, oh, you're, you go this side of the tree. You're you not going that side. And it was just stories. And yet as children, we used to climb up on that tree and steal the pitches. Nothing happened to us. But oh, as we grow up, we come up with stories about people. We want to relate with so-and-so. We want to talk to so-and-so. We won't go to this church and we spread rumors about other people, other churches, you know, other You know, one of the things you must learn is to get out of those stuff, those things. And I'll be honest with you, church politics are the worst. They're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And if you immerse yourself in those church politics, you won't enter God's kingdom, I can tell you. It will contaminate you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You will not be able to wash it because as you raise your hand, somebody whom they told, they expressed their milk on the tree will come and sit next to you and instead of worshiping, you are looking at them saying, Whoa, Jesus. 
I love children because they are non-judgmental. They just love one another. Jesus says, be like a child. Number what? Number four. A child receives with joy, forgetting herself or himself with light-hearted abandonment. When you give children something, they, they enjoy it to the, to, to, to the fullest. They just immerse themselves. I mean, Christmas time's coming, you know, and December time's coming, we'll be buying kids toys. I mean, once they have that toy, they even forget about you. You know, and they immerse themselves as they celebrate with all their hearts. In Matthew 21, from verse 14, it says, Then the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple, and he healed them. Watch this. So people got healed. When the chief priests and the scribes, these are church people. When they saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. The religious leaders were indignant. Children are celebrating. Small thing. God healed somebody. Oh, oh. you know how children celebrate. Oh, they're riding around. And the religious leaders. See, simply because they had issues with Jesus. They're angry. Look what Jesus says to them in verse 16. I hope you're not sitting next to somebody with that expression right now. Just look around. <laughs> Note what he said. Verse 16. The religious leader said to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? In short, stop them. They mustn't do this. Jesus said to them, yes, have you read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Ah. Jesus calls what these children are doing perfect praise. Did you see these kids when they were, when they were singing? Some of you were just standing there. Look at your neighbor and say, What a shock! Look at your other neighbor and say, What an aftershock! I mean, they were dancing, they were with all their hearts over a small thing. Number five. Children are humble. They're humble. I want to finish this one. I didn't finish the sermon in the first service. So, blessed are you among people. The word humble means to be low in position or condition. It means not important not grand. Oh, I tell you. The word humble means modest in spirit. Simply put, not proud. See, to be humble means to be free from arrogance. <laughs> Jesus says, you, you, want to, you want to enter God's kingdom? <laughs> You're arrogant. Yeah? says, you must humble yourself. It's intentional. Humble yourself. That's Matthew 18, 4. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as little, this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The, con the complete Jewish Bible reads and said, yes, I tell you that unless you change and become like little children, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. So the greatest in the kingdom is whoever makes himself as humble as a child. You make yourself 
I found when it comes to God, there are certain things you must force yourself into them. Because certain things when you are supposed to do them, you don't feel, I remember the first time I had to lift my hands in church, I was going, <laughs> you feel like everybody's looking at you. Yeah. When there's a sermon that's preached and there's an invitation that's given to come to the front, you kind of like, you know, we are strange people, isn't it? Even if your life is falling apart, you're just concerned, what will people think about me if I go to the front? Let them think whatever they want to think. Yeah. I'm telling you, Vasalan, you need to humble yourself. When you're humble as a child, number one, you quickly forgive and forget. When you're humble as a child, you sit quietly and listen to instructions and teachings. When you're humble as a child, you easily learn new things. When you're humble as a child, you copy things easily and you, you are not embarrassed to copy. As long as you don't write an exam, you know. When you're humble as a child, you're not conscious of your lack or wealth of yours or others. You know, when children play among themselves, they never compete about, you know, I never ever have seen them really, unless they've been taught by some adult. They can play and the other one doesn't have such great clothes on. They're not going to discriminate against that child because of what they wear. No. Children, children don't care. The other one may be barefooted. The other one may be working the latest sneaker. Mm. It's us who say, umuntle yang wana, nana, it's us who teach them that. I'm telling you. I remember I had something years ago that would really stayed with me. There was a situation I was dealing with at the time. And there was someone who needed some form of assistance because they were, had to be helped medically speaking. And I'll never forget when this professional was talking to this person and said to this person, you know, with the condition you have, lots of adults will judge you. And this professional said, this, this, this medical person says, why don't you take a, just as a side activity that you involve yourself in teaching children and being with children. And, 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 and said to this person, you know the children are so non-judgmental. You know, even when you come to children, even when you have a disability, they don't, ever, they don't even see that. Even when other kids have a disability, nobody sees. No, 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 but it's us who contaminate them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to be those kinds of people, Basel, that much as we are thankful for what God does, we don't let what we have define who we are. I'm not a better person because I'm wearing a more expensive suit than anyone else. You're not a better person because you're driving the latest whatever. It doesn't mean you have more faith because you stay in a gated community. Now, I know you don't like me saying that, but I'm going to say that. Because it's the same thing in our country, what we are seeing around. Especially coming from our communities, people who understand what it is to suffer. And who understand how it feels like to be mistreated because of who you are. But we do the same. And we come under so much pressure to conform. It's bad out there. You know, some of the places you go to, and sometimes I go for soccer, you know, and I get uh, tickets, little bit of time. Complimentary tickets. You can see, you can see I can't even afford it. Complimentary tickets. <laughs> so, you know, you go into these suits, you know, and you are sitting in these suits. 
And I, it's happened to me more than once, and I, I couldn't. You know, some people, when they look at you, it's almost like, what are you doing here? And when they look at you, have you ever been looked at like, have you ever had somebody, it's like they're calculating, you know? Shirt from this so much, two runs 55, belt one run, buruku minus two, you know that? And then they calculate and they answer, they are, they, they, then they come to the conclusion and they say, you can't afford to come into the suit. You don't belong here. Years ago, I was sitting next to somebody on a, on a flight, years ago, and uh, some, thankfully, whoever invited me to go on this trip, it was, you know, international trip they had paid for me. Thank God for them. God bless them again. I wish they can do it again. They put me in business class. <laughs> they put me in business class. You know, when it's your first time in business class, you don't even know how things work. <laughs> I can see you don't like this, someone. We're going to talk about it. See, I'm sitting in this business class. And, and I, had an, I had a window seat. And the, the guy had an aisle seat. So I came in. And I was on time. I wasn't late, but he was already in the seat. So, so I'm looking. So you pass. I get it, you don't know the business class. You, you, you pass. Because the seats are bigger. You, you, you thought. So then I came back. I said. So this guy. Serious was on. He looks at me like this. He said. said, can I help you? I said, yeah, you can help me. I'm sitting the other side. <laughs> so I said that, and then I couldn't operate the seat. <laughs> That's okay, don't worry. It doesn't take, oh. He didn't know how to operate the seat in his past life as well. Come on, come on. Everybody learns. What's new? Nothing. And unfortunately, I had to ask help from him. <laughs> I said, I was enjoying this. You know, it's nice when somebody feels you don't deserve it, but they can't, they can't, they can't make you disappear. You are there. <laughs> Woo! So I really wanted to get on his nerves and I said, excuse me. <laughs> How do I make this sit? He looked at me and says, why don't you ask the cabin attendant? Hey! Barcelona, we flew, I think it was at 14 hours flight or 12 hours. I don't remember. We never said a word to each other except for when I was asking him. He was so angry that I'm sitting next to him. I even thought, I don't know if he knows that I'm from Soviet. If I can tell him that, it will be worse. It will ruin everything for him. It should never be like that. Never in God's kingdom. I said never in God's kingdom. When we are here, we are here for Jesus. We are not here for position. We are not here for wealth. We are not here for anything. It's all about Jesus. Can I hear an amen? That's why we are here. That's why the kingdom of God has to be different. It's a silly thing that we introduce Hollywood into the church. It's a silly thing for us to do. Everybody must feel accepted in God's kingdom. Everybody must feel loved in God's kingdom. Come on, if you believe it, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah.
Everybody is accepted in God's kingdom. Oh, oh, let's finish quickly. Number whatever. Six, a child is content with little things. You know, it doesn't take much to please children. A smile, a hug, one sweet child is content. It's always nice, you know, when I go around and children run up to me many times. I'm so glad. And they just run up to me. They just want you to say hello. That's all. No selfie. No chat. Nothing. Just hello. They come up. Ah, bishop, bishop. And you know how they are. They they don't care what you're wearing. They're going to throw themselves into your arms. They don't care. So it doesn't matter what you're wearing. So they throw themselves in my arms and I hug them. I say, how are you? Oh, I'm nice. Oh, bishop. And then they look at me with admiration. And then when they leave, they go. That's all. That's all it took to make them content. That's all. Oh, we're not content. Goodness. So many things around us. And yet we are the most miserable. I, I know God sorted me out years ago. You know, we, had, we didn't have a nice day that day with my wife. We... We had an animated discussion <laughs> before she left for work. So I wasn't, I wasn't really feeling great. I was angry, you know. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting and I'm sulking. I'm sitting in the lounge and I'm sulking. And the weather wasn't great. You know, it's, it's worse when you fought on a day when the weather is not great. It's even, you even feel worse. <laughs> and here I'm sitting in there, sitting in there and, and there's these guys who come to come and pick up the, 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 the dustbin. You know, our dustbin is outside. The rubbish bin is outside. And this guy coming in there, they're singing. And he comes and he takes the dustbin. And I'm looking at this guy. It's raining on him. The weather is terrible. But the brother is happier than the guy. He's taking my rubbish. And I'm as mungu as mungu can be. Look at your neighbor who's mungu and say, stop that munguness. Come out when I'm mungu. I'm going to close with this. I searched on Google an article on what makes children happy. You'll be surprised. Most of it doesn't have to do with money. I came across this article. Let me just quote something before I tell you. Raising happy children is one of the main concerns of adults and it usually begins even before they're born. Parents often hesitate about buying many toys, taking them on a trip from an early age, enrolling them in arts or sports classes. There's something important that we have to always keep in mind. And is that sometimes we forget that children see the world in a simpler way than we do. Oh my goodness. Therefore, it's not complicated to make them happy. Doesn't matter if you think it's very simple. Surely, your little one will enjoy these activities. A special bonus for you for this time of the year. Ten of them. One, seeing animals up close. You know, just seeing an yeah, You'll be surprised. Ha, mama, bona, yo, bona. And you're so uninterested. Yeah, okay, born. Hey. You know, they're fascinated. They're so fascinated. Oh. Number two, listening to music and dancing. 
I didn't have time. I, I wanted to put out some presentation for you. Of a, there's, a, there's a certain uh, uh, live recording of a, a, a gospel concert that happened some time ago. And there was this girl in the front. She really was going for it. But she wasn't very well coordinated. <laughs> ah, but by the goodness, she was dancing her little heart out. And the parents were just standing there. <laughs> like some of you did this morning. <laughs> you know, children, they, they listen to music. They, even when they're young, they listen. That some of you, you've lost your song. You don't sing anymore. Yeah. You don't dance anymore. No. You've lost it. I look at these little ones going, go, oh, mama, mama. I, I won't do it. <laughs> They're going for it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, now we are important. I'm serious. I've got many burdens. <laughs> Number three, running outdoors. You know, children don't walk. They run. To me, it speaks of Enthusiasm. A positive expectation about life, they run. Ooh. No wonder the Bible talks about God will renew our, our youth as that of an eagle. Yeah, we will run and not faint. Not so much physically, but have that attitude about you that you are alive. Oh, oh some of us, we've lost our childlike attitude. What about dressing up? Children love dressing up. <laughs> Big size shoes, big hats. Oh, they also like seeing people in disguise. You disguise yourself. No wonder they love cartoons. And some of us men must confess. <laughs> <laughs> I must confess. I love. I still watch cartoons even today. That's why I'm so happy. <laughs> My wife will tell you when. When we were living in another place, we, we had to leave home. What was it, Wafi? Five to seven? Five to six in the morning? Five to seven. I still remember. And there were, the, there were cartoons. There used to be cartoons on SABC 2, five to seven. And we were supposed to leave at seven. No, no, no we were supposed to leave at quarter to seven. But the problem is the cartoons. <laughs> After the departure time. Wafi, I'm confessing. She knows about it by now. I always made sure that I forget something in the house. Come on, don't give me that look now. How? I wanted to watch cartoons. I mean, those, those days, that's before DSTV, actually. I had to watch cartoons. Makes you nice inside. Popeye. <laughs> but you know, children just, just love those. See, see, some of you, you've become so serious with life. Oh. What would it take to make you happy? Let me rephrase. What would it take to make you content? With all that God's done in your life. Yeah. Huh? You can be surrounded by everything that the world has to offer and be the moonwest person. I tell you. And never even see and still complain on top. Children love playing in sand or soil. That's the next one. Kinabamang. Six. It's six. Yeah. No, no, it's six. One, listening to music. Two, exploring new places. Three, listening to stories. Four, running outdoors. Five, dressing up. Six, playing in soil or sand. Seven, playing in water. Can you imagine, Basar? Just playing, you know, just, 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 just playing. 
is what they, and now we must save water now, by the way. However, <laughs> number eight, I love this one. Number nine, eating sweets. Oh, we have some children that side who are saying eating sweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, when you have the little ones, just one sweet is not going to hurt them. How? One. One. You mean, uh, uh. see, the day I have grandchildren, I'm going to have sweets around me. Give them one every time. They love you. When they think about you, they think you're a sweet grandpa. <laughs> and getting dirty, number 10. Yeah. They love playing in dirt and blah. But here's what I want to conclude with. If we're not going to humble ourselves and be like children, we're going to miss out on all that the kingdom of God has to offer for us. Some of you today came with in great need for God to intervene in your lives. You're here today. You look at the way your life is going, you realize, you know, it's not going in the right direction. Jesus, when he preached years ago, made this statement and it still applies today. Come unto me, referring to himself. Come unto me, all you who are heavily laden. I'll give you rest. Some of you, you look at your life falling apart. Might not be falling apart, but there's a sense of being discontented in your heart. You can see that the direction your life is going is not pleasing to God. My question to you is, will you be humble enough today and be like a child? And say, you know what, God, I want to admit. You know, when a child is hungry, and they're really hungry, when you offer them food, they don't eat in a decent way. Mm -mm. They just grab it. It's you says, hey, Nana. But Nana has no time to be decent. Nana is in need. They're being true to their condition. As adults, we can mask how we really feel. But today, it's a time for us to take the mask off and be like children. It's for us to be true to what we need from God and for the rest of us who may not have that need to be child, childlike enough not to judge those people. Not to say, how oh, did you see them? I thought. That's not what children do. We come to God as little children. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? Hallelujah. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I want to invite you today, my brother, my sister, my mother, my father. You may have been invited. You might have come on your own. But whatever the situation, you know in your heart of hearts, that your life is not right before God. I'm not saying that because I'm judging you. I'm saying that to give an opportunity for you. To say, you know what? I want to make things right with God. I heard that Jesus can change my life. And I want to give my life to Jesus by inviting him into my life. That he may change me and make me a child of God. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed. Nobody moving around, nobody leaving. Except the ushers who are helping us as they move around to help usher the people. Right where you are, I ask some of you if you could just softly, very softly, be praying on the inside. I don't think it's by coincidence that you're here today, my friend. 
I believe that somehow God ordained it so. That's in destiny's path. That you should be here today hearing this sermon. That speaks into your life and my life. Question is, will you be like a child? I want to invite you today. If you say, please pray for me. My life is not right before God. I want God to help me. I want Jesus to come into my heart. No, I'm not talking about joining our church. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm not even talking about being confirmed or water baptized. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a personal relationship with God. I'm not even talking about religion. I'm talking about a living relationship with God. Where Jesus comes into your life, into your heart, transforms you, forgives you of all your wrongs, helps you to live in a way that will be pleasing to God. Please listen to your heart this morning, I ask you. Be honest enough in, the, in your heart of hearts to say, oh, I need you. Oh, I need you. Jesus. Jesus. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you say, please pray for me. Would you raise your hand, please, where you are? I want to pray for you. Just raise it up. Thank you so much. Raise it high. Don't be afraid. No one is going to judge you in this place. Thank you so much. May I ask you to do this? Would you stand on your feet right where you are? Those of you who have raised your hands. Can you stand on your feet? Thank you. Thank you. Ashes, please help them. Thank you. Thank you. Don't worry. Don't worry about other people. It's not about them. It's about you. It's not about their life. It's about your life. You are the one who has that need in your life. And I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just here to assist you. Thank you. Stand, my dear brother. Could you stand right where you are? Thank you so much. I want to ask for all of you who are standing to do one more thing. I want to pray for you. All right. In this church, we pray for people all the time. People who are here, they stood where you are standing at some point. They also made the decision that you're making. And that's why they're so excited about you. So I'm going to ask you if you could, please, you could move from where you're standing and just make your way to the front. And as you come, don't leave any of your belongings behind. Just come. Come from where you stand. Come stand here with me. Let's pray together. Come on. Ashas, please help them. Help them. Hallelujah. That's right. That's the way to do it. Come on.